In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now listening to The Professional Homegirls, it's the kid Ebony from the PSG podcast, the only place where you would hear interviews from Black women anonymously on stories that would enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. If you like the PSG podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please, five-star reviews only. Hold me down, don't hold me up. Merch is now available on the site as well as my book list, so please make sure you visit the link in the show notes below. You can connect with the kid on Instagram at The Professional Homegirl and at The PhD Podcast. If you are on Twitter, please follow me at The PhD Podcast. Now, if you are all caught up with episodes, listen to the bonus episodes by supporting the PhD Podcast Patreon account. To support, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash The PhD Podcast. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous, so let's begin this week's episode. So I have a special guest on the show today. Her daughter was on episode 137, and afterwards we kept in contact, and she mentioned that her mom should be on the show because she has a very powerful and inspiring story. So Tamar, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm feeling fine. I'm okay. Are you nervous? Not really. Okay. That's the energy I like. (laughs) (laughs) So how did your daughter present this to you? Uh, she, she spoke to me about what she been through, what I didn't know that she's been through because I was out of the household and she told me that she, uh, spoke to a pastor or someone and that they said, you need to tell your mother what you've been through at the time and stuff. And she told me finally, cause I didn't know that she'd been through what she's been through. Mm-hmm. 
How did that make you feel? Um, like a really bad mother. Mm. Why? Because I wasn't there at the time. I was um out the house and she was living with my mother. And I didn't know half of the things that she has been through. So it just, it made me feel really bad at the time. Do you believe it's possible to break these generational curses within our community? Yes, I do. How so? How so? I feel that what my daughter's been through, I I should have been able to be there for her at the time. And, um, it was it was just a difficult um situation at the time i was um my mother um reported me for using drugs and not being there for my kids mm-hmm. at the time and um my daughter finally told me what happened to her and it just made me feel really really bad cuz i'm so outspoken on the issue and i'm going to make sure that the next generation of females are not going to have to go through this that's her daughter, y'all. That's my guest from episode yeah, 137. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'll let you know when I'm timing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious on your thoughts, Ma. Why do you think people don't believe kids or children or anybody when they say I don't know because I will always no, I I don't know because I will always believe my children and stuff like um my mother, you know, she had two kids by her stepfather. So my brother and sister was put up for adoption while my mother went to an all-girls school and came home on the weekends and stuff. And um, it's, it's, um, why do they not believe kids? Why do they not believe kids? I, I never heard what was going on with my daughter and stuff, but I will always believe my kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother went through what she went through with her two kids from her stepfather, and um, she was always like, your shorts are too short, don't walk around any man, dress halfway, and this and that. And when I did finally tell that my Uncle Gary tried to molest me or rape me, she just, she didn't believe me. My aunt told me that she said, oh, I'm over-exaggerating and stuff, but yet she was always on our case to stay dressed, and if anything happened to you, let me know. And she was always on top of that. But when I finally told her what was going on, she didn't believe me. So I didn't know what to think about that. Mm. Before we get into your story, what do you hope people will receive from hearing your story once they hear it on this episode? Well, I just um, <laughs> to believe your kids, always to believe your kids and and love your kids definitely. And um, I have a lot of bad feelings about what happened to my daughter without me even knowing what happened. And and I want other people to realize that listen to your kids because they're not lying to you. They're not, you know, making this up or anything. But I, I just really couldn't understand why my mother didn't listen to me when she was always on top of situations like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that really... Uh, mm, it made me feel kind of funny, kind of different. Like, you know, she was always on top of that and she didn't believe me or didn't care at the time. Do you think the reason why she didn't believe you because nobody probably believes her when she was raped by her stepfather? Well, what her mother did to her was when she was, she was put in an all girl school, her mother put her kids up for adoption because it was by her husband and she didn't want to have nothing to do with that. Mm. 
So my father, he when she met him, he promised that he would find her kids for her. So he did find my um, older sister, and uh, we never found our brother, but we found her, and she looked so much like my mother that my cousins was coming up to her saying, hi, Auntie Diana, kissing her on the cheek and stuff. And then they realized that's not her, but she looked so oh, wow. much like my mother. Yeah, so much like my mother and stuff. So we did eventually find her, but I don't know what happened to my brother. How did your sister feel when y'all found her? She, um, my mother took her in the back room and explained to her what her life was about and what happened to her and stuff like that. So she took us in and stuff and she, she was all right by it, but, um, she's never been like 100% close to my mother or anything because she was in foster care all her life and stuff. Mm. Yeah. And and what other ways, because I know your daughter was telling me how your mom was also very abusive. Yeah, she was a uh, pretty abusive. Um, she uh, <laughs> is it hard for you to talk about this, Ma? A little bit, because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what really to say. My mother, like, she um, she did things like said, "Oh, uh, she cut all my hair off and said that I was always put putting it out of the way and uh." that you know she cut all my hair off and she just she just did bad things to me and stuff yeah yeah do you um, think she was jealous of you because of how you look because y'all look yes 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 i was like you know your mother's jealous of you because she told me at one point she was like um my husband michael i don't want you around him when he walks in the room you walk out and mind your business and don't be nowhere around him so my aunt one night uh she, I was in an all-girls school like she was. And I came right. home Friday to um, Sunday afternoon. And she told me not to be around him and stuff like that. And um, my aunt told me, she said, you know, your mother's jealous of you. And she thinks you're trying to take her husband. And she told me like a week later, she said, um, I don't want you around my husband. And if I find out there's some shady shit going on, there's going to be some bloodshed. Mm. When she said that, I just like looked at her from a distance, like this is not my mother. Like right. I just, I don't, I just felt weird. Like I could never, she could never be my mother for saying like something. Like you a stranger like, in the street. Yeah, so I um didn't have too much to say to her, do with her. But I got pregnant when I was about fifteen, and my mother thought it was his kid for the most mm. part. So, she told me that I had to give my child up for adoption. All the family was willing to take her, take her w- from me and stuff. But uh, my mother, in the long run, she uh, about I say about two months before I had her, she changed her mind. The social worker told me, "Did you know your mother changed your mind? Let you keep the baby?" And I was like, "What? What?" And I was so excited. She was like, "Oh, she didn't tell you. She didn't tell you." But she let me keep the baby after a while. Oh, because that was back at the back in the day when the parents had to say so if the child was yeah. pregnant. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And then there was also a time when she put chains on the refrigerator so you and your brother Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she put chains on the refrigerator so that we wouldn't get nothing to eat out of there and so uh, that we would learn a lesson and stop being so greedy and stuff. So we would like we would stick our arm through the chain door and grab something out of there and eat it and stuff. But yeah, she she uh, chained the refrigerator. Mm. 
So when you told your mom that your uncle, which is her brother, tried to molest you and rape you, she put yeah. you in a room together so he can confess? Yeah, so he could confess. On, you know I would never do that to her. You know she's lying. You know it's not like that. And she just said, okay, just, you know, whatever. Go back to your room, whatever. And she didn't do nothing to say nothing about it. When you heard about all the things that your mom experienced, taking the fact that she's your mom, like looking at her as a woman, how did it make you feel? Because it had to mess with her psyche for her to treat you the way she treated you. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't make an excuse though. Yeah, it doesn't make an excuse. Um, I just, we really don't, I haven't spoken to my mother in 20 years. Mm. And when I did used to speak with her, it was when we was drinking vodka and listening to music. Right. And <laughs> I don't... have she ever tried to apologize? No, she's never. And so I, I just grew up thinking that my mother pretty much wanted the income that I was getting for my kids. And mm. um, yeah, after a while, I started to think that. And um, she was getting that income. Like, it's about uh, 1500 a month or whatever, because one of my kids was on SSI and this and that. So she took me down to the Social Security office and had that signed over to her. And this and that, and I remember just walking away, knowing that it was all about the money. And I just walked away, and she was like, "She don't care as long as she got the money and stuff." Mm. And during this time, how was your relationship with your brother? My brother like, Matt. He, was like, he um, my brother Matt. We was close. He would come home 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night and tell me how his day went or what he did. And he was a criminal, but he was the closest thing to me. And my mother used to treat him really bad and stuff and tell him he got to move out or go to Job Corps and this and that. And I was thinking, how do you tell a, a, a thug to go to Job Corps after all the stuff that he was involved in and stuff? And one time he told me he wanted to kill himself. And he left outside the apartment and I heard a gun go off. And I told my mother, you got to go out there and check on him because he told me he wanted to kill himself and stuff. And uh, he didn't kill himself, but um, he just went through some tragic stuff too. Because um, when my mother uh, finally took him to court, the court said, you have to choose between your husband or your son, which one are you going to take? And she said she'd choose her husband and left him there and he called my father. My father came and took custody of him. So he was living with him. Mm. Why did he, he why did they go to court? Um, she just wanted to get custody up of, of him. And uh he just he was shocked that she did that when a, when the judge told her she had to choose. And he he pulled me aside one day and told me what happened. I didn't know that all that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wow. but we, we was very close to stuff, and um, it was just one of them things. Yeah. So do you think that his childhood as well affected him to where he's at now? Yes, yes, uh, yeah. We loved each other very much, and I end up upsetting him because I got with one of his friends and had a daughter by him. And um, when I told him who I was pregnant by, he was like, oh, you pregnant by that nerd again or whatever? And I was like, no, it's your friend, such and such. And he just hung up the phone on me. Mm. And, and a while later, I ended up trying to commit suicide. So mm. I was 
I was in a hospital and he called him and said, what the fuck you do to my sister? This and that. He's like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't know she was going to do that or whatever. And, you know, so we was always pretty close. So were you kind of like heartbroken when he went away for jail or went to jail? Oh, yeah, I was uh, very much heartbroken. I went to his court cases and stuff, and um, they gave him about 27 years to life and stuff. But he's um, he's getting out eventually now. He's getting out in about a few months, but he, he's been in there for 20, 33 years. So he's just now getting out. Do y'all talk about your childhood? Or yeah. Sure I to- no, I talk about it to my daughter a lot, yeah. Well, I guess one of the main reasons why I was really excited by having you on, because one, I like to have older women on the show, because I feel like y'all have so many like gems and like lessons that y'all can pass on to women, me and your daughter age, or even younger than us. And also, I feel like there's not a lot of conversation that goes around uh, relationships with mothers, because I didn't have a good relationship with my mom at all. Yeah. So I was really looking forward to having you on the show, because I feel like you know, we need to hear more of these stories to let people know that they're not alone. So what happened to your uncle? My uncle went to prison for murder. Mm. He was a crack addict. So the last time I seen him, I told him that I forgive him for what he did and I still love him and I hugged him. And then a couple of months later, he was in prison. So when he got out, he, I heard that he was asking for me and, and how I was doing and stuff. Mm. Yeah, and what, um, what made you my, do that? What made you go up to him and forgive him? I don't know. I have no idea. That's just the way I am. I have no idea. And um, let me see. Um, and like my mom, she sent me to the store with my little brother to get him whatever he wanted. And um, we was late coming back and. When they opened the front door, she hit me in the face with a tennis racket. And oh, I was your mom? my mother. And I was Why? screaming because I was late, she said. And so I was screaming and yelling. And I walked in the house and she was still beating me with the tennis racket. And I kneeled down to the to the couch chair and, and just covered my face. And she kept beating me, beating me. And my grandmother was dying from lung cancer. And she came out and said, Diane, Diane, don't get no blood on my couch. I thought she came, she came to save me. I said, stop beating her like that. But she said, don't get no blood on my couch. Get her off my couch. And when I walked back to my bedroom, I glanced in the mirror and my bone was sticking out of my cheek, out of my face. Oh, wow. He sent me right back outside after that. And my friend was saying, what happened to you? And I was saying, oh, I got jumped by some girls going to visit my father. My mother was yelling at me saying, you're going to be just like your brother. You're going to be fucked up just like your brother and stuff. And she uh, had me rinse the collard greens off and then told me to go back outside. So Did I you have remember. anybody that you can turn to that, that can help no. you? No. No, I didn't. And I told my girlfriend, I said, my mother, I said, I really didn't get jumped by no girls. My mother beat me like that. She said, I figured that because you went in the house and came back out looking like that. So, yeah. yeah. And I can only imagine how your your little brother was feeling. Yeah, he tried to run back out the door and my uncle stopped him and said, "You where you going? You ain't going nowhere. But he didn't get beat, though. I did. Mm. So when, when did you move out to be on your own? Uh, I was living in the street. I was pretty much homeless. I was living in a bandit apartment building. My um, son's father 
Uh, he beat me and he had AIDS, so he raped me repeatedly all the time. And and he just said, you think I can't get nobody better than you? Or you're so pretty, this and that. Look what I did to you now, bitch. And just stuff like that. So I end up having AIDS from him. When did you find out he had uh, AIDS? They told me this when, when I first met him. I was visiting my other daughter's father family. And he lives across the street. And he was always saying, what are you doing, girl? And, and you know, uh, talking trash like that and stuff. And I just went for it. Even though I heard the room say, don't fuck with him. He got AIDS. It said that I did. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why I did, but I did. And um, he beat me a lot. And he raped me a lot and stuff like that. So that's what happened to me. So how did you find out that you was that you had AIDS? I kind of already figured it. I was having nightmares about it, about his family telling me and this and that. And um, I finally went to the doctors, and I was pregnant by him. And um, well, when did I find out about this? I don't. Uh, just <laughs> I don't remember. Um, it was just he just he hated me. It's like he hated women. Mm. He just hated me. It was like, oh, you think you're so pretty? You think you? He just he hated me, and he beat the shit out of me, and did all types of stuff to me. And the the man that I did love, my daughter's father, my second daughter's father, he was in prison at the time. And when he heard, everything just fell apart, and my life just went downhill from there. Because I started to smoke crack. He got me hooked on crack and prostituting to get more crack money. Mm. So my life just your, went down. Your daughter told me that you stopped doing uh drugs, cold turkey though. How did yeah, that yeah, I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I just stopped. I just just stopped. I don't know how it happened or whatever. I just stopped and stopped drinking, stopped uh smoking crack. I just quit. I don't mm. know how to So where is your son's father at now? And then also Cause I know sometimes how when children look like the parent, did that affect yeah. your relationship with your son? No, not well. My son, um, I really didn't want to have too much to do with him because of his father, so it did affect right. him. And I have spoken to him about it and stuff, and told him I'm so sorry for being the way I was. And I spoke to him about a couple of months ago about that too. But um, mm -hmm. it it was a hard battle to go through. But um, his father just never cared. He's like that man hated me. I don't know why or what, but he just couldn't stand me. And it was it like, like he wanted to break you. Yeah, and it was like, bitch, uh, I don't give a fuck about you. And it just, I, the man just hated me. I don't know. Mm. So where is he at now? Do y'all still talk or? No, we don't talk. He's on the street somewhere, uh, living with his family or whatever on the street somewhere, and we don't talk about nothing. And I, at one point, at one point, oh, I put him. At one point, I put him in jail for beating on me, and the police came and took him in. And at one point, uh, this guy pulled out a pulled out a police officer's gun and tried to shoot him in the head. So he got a big lawsuit for that. But the lawsuit was that he's going to pay the money to my son to go to college and stuff, and then he could keep the rest of the money. But he didn't do that. He just took all the money and came by to see the, the big crack house where I was at and just smiled and, and just left. Like, I'm not giving you shit, bitch. Off for your son. Mm. That's all.
Nah. I know you had to be feeling like, like I can't even imagine how you yeah, were feeling at that time. Stupid, I was stupid, but my stupid ass is like, uh, you know, I forgive you for everything you've done to me. And I hope that, you know, we could get along in the future. I, I, I forgive you and walk away like that. And people say, how could you forgive a motherfucker that took your life and did all this shit to you? I don't know how, but I just do. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you know at the time that your daughter knew that you was prostitute? Um, I don't think my kids knew. Did y'all know? You used to tell me. Oh. <laughs> 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 with me, so I brought single with me one time. And I was like, oh, we're going to get paid. We're going to get paid, girl. We're going to get paid. And she repeated to my grandmother, oh, where the fuck she get that shit from? We're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. <laughs> yeah, like, I, she, they, I guess she knew. I didn't really realize it. She told me stories about uh, how she used to see her guidance counselor coming in and out the house. Who? Oh, her see, guy- I don't even think. Yes, I don't even know if she probably doesn't even remember, but yeah, um, one of her Johns ended up being one of my um, counselors from school. I was home from school one day, and he walked through and walked right straight to the back room. So hearing what your daughter just said, how does that make you feel? That makes me feel awful. I didn't know anything about that. (sighs) I guess I didn't know. Have you forgiven forgiving yourself, Mom? Forgiving myself? Oh hell no. No, because <laughs> no, I don't forgive myself. I just I just you don't I don't have to forgive yourself. Well I know it's easier said than done, but you did the it's only so much you could have did with the, the choices that you had. You can't fault yourself for doing what you felt was right at the moment. I was just so like when my brother went to prison and then my daughter's father went to prison right after. I just I was I didn't I was so naive and because I know my brother wouldn't let me go through anything like that and stuff. And I right. told my daughter's father and I said, you know, when y'all both left, it's just um, the 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 sheep seen me coming. I mean, they see this naive girl and take take advantage of her and, and they just seen me coming because I didn't know nothing. And, and nobody really protected you. Nobody. So I just was, uh, I was just played like a fool. Right. And your daughter also told me that your mother was a prostitute as well. Yeah, my my father, the one that helped her find like, her daughter or whatever. Yeah, he was her pimp. And um, he, I never had a pimp, but um, <laughs> he was her pimp. And, and uh, we learned that when I was about 14, 13 or something like that. And um. And uh, she uh, she fell in love with another man, and my father had to go on meds and stuff to get over her and stuff because he went kind of crazy. Mm. And um, yeah, so. But my father always tried to beat it for me, like when I got sick with chronic pancreatitis from drinking so much alcohol. I was in the hospital for like two and a half months. And he he kept calling saying, How's it doing? They said, She's sick, she's sick. And he kept calling for like three days straight. Then he came and said, I'm taking you to the hospital. And they was like, You know, you was about to die. You you got chronic pancreatitis from drinking so much alcohol and, and you're very sick and stuff and stuff. And then a couple of times he came and rescued me out of that situation. Right. Kept so you, don't have to, you don't have to take medication for your um no, for Oh, for my yeah, I'm on one pill now. Mm-hmm. 
pill and it's um kidney friendly because my kidneys has been acting up here and there and stuff. Yeah, so mm. I'm still I'm still dealing with that. So your daughter also told me that one night she woke up and she saw you in a hospital gown and your face was swollen. Yeah, I remember that. Um now that story was so heartbreaking. Yeah, um what what happened? Um I got I got raped and beat up in the bottom of a basement and um he beat my face in so much that my whole face was just going. You couldn't recognize me or anything. Mm. And it was this guy and I usually say don't mess with them young um black <laughs> black motherfuckers. <laughs> don't mess with them. You know, just go with somebody like a white person or something like that. But anyway, mm-hmm. anyway um yeah, he beat me pretty bad and I came home came home the next morning. And um, my kids seen me and stuff, and I just told them I'm okay and everything's gonna be okay. But my face was really wrecked. He really hurt me bad. So how long was it before you saw him again? Saw who again? The guy who did mm-hmm. this to you? Because didn't you? Yeah, didn't you yeah, know? Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I can't believe this. I seen him down the hall at my neighbor's house where I used to go down there and get high, and I took me. And he was like, well, when are you going to do my hair? Braid my hair. Don't get too close to that motherfucker. That's the one that beat me and raped me. Said, don't get too close to him or whatever. And um, we went to the um, pool together. It was summertime. I said, oh, I'm going to the pool. He's like, oh, you're scared to go to the pool with me because you think I did something to you or whatever. And I kept asking him, wasn't you the one who did this to me or whatever? And he finally said, yeah, I was taking um, out what I went through with my baby's mother. I took it out on you. I'm sorry, this and that. So I took him down to the pool and stuff and we went swimming and stuff. And I even hugged him and kissed him to play it off. And we walked back to the house and I drunk him under the table because I had drank a lot of alcohol. I had drank a lot of people under the table. I drank him under the table. I called the police, went to the neighbor's house and called the police and said, the guy that raped me, he's here now. I want you to come get him. And they took him out of the house. He didn't even have his shoes on. He was sleeping. And they took him out of the house. And that was that. That was the end of that. Were you scared? No, I wasn't. No. Mm. Because what he did to me, what, no. And the police, when I had called them the first time when I seen him, they was like, we can't do nothing. He could be right next door from you. And we still can't do nothing about it. That's what the police told me. So mm-hmm. when I did get him, when I did get him alone and called the police on him and he was passed out, that's when they got him. Mm. And we locked up for multiple rapes, right? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. Man, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. So what made you stop prostituting? Was it that situation or um I just, I don't know how I stopped. I just stopped. I just, um, my kids, my mother moved my kids to Florida and um, I was living with my son's, my um, son's um, father and stuff. He was a firefighter, but he's a little cuckoo himself. Mm-hmm. He was a firefighter and um, I ended up staying with him and he took care of me and stuff. And I wanted to move down here with my kids and stuff. So um, they, uh, they kind of, I, I told him I wanted to check on my case with him and what was going on with it. They was like, we're not sure. We're not sure what's going on. And that's why I was like, I don't care. I'm just moving out of Boston, period. I'm, go- right. I'm going to where my kids are at. So that just left it right there. I just left and went where my, where my kids was at. 
And then I found out he was a multiple rapist and stuff, so. And was he following you that night? He said that he had seen me multiple times walking down the street. Like, I would go get high, and then I would start walking the streets to get more money to get high. And he said he always seen me and always wanted to contact me, but he didn't, but he always seen me. So he just he said, you're so pretty. I always see you walking down the street. I didn't do nothing to you. He's like, I'm just telling you, I didn't do nothing to you. I don't know what you're thinking, but I didn't do nothing to you. But I knew he did it. Right. Yeah. Well, I feel like you've just been through so much, Ma. Like, what does healing look like for you? Because you're going to have to forgive yourself for a lot of things. Well. Because <laughs> I know you're not doing drugs anymore, but. No. Like, how are you coping? Like, how are you, like, like what are you doing to keep yourself happy? Because I can hear in your voice that you're just, like, you're just tired. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> grandkids the grandkids um keep me pretty busy i love my grandkids they're spoiled brats and i love them to death <laughs> but that's good be around some love yeah grandkids that keep me going yeah what does healing look like for you though have you ever thought about that um no i um i notice that i think about my past a lot i think i uh I just think about everything that's happened to me and, and dwelling on, um, what do they say is um, pre, what do they say is, it's like you keep thinking about it over and over and you just, yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. I just still think about my life and my past. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't like doing that, but. It keeps popping up like, oh, you was raped, you was messed up. You, I just keep going back into that. Mm. Did you ever question God? No, I never questioned God about it. Um, no, I just, um, I don't know how I get through it all. Yeah, you're still here and you overcame a lot of things by yourself, <laughs> which is amazing. You got to give yourself some type of credit, Ma. No, <laughs> no, I just, um, I messed up a lot and I, I just wish my brother was here because he would have protected me from that. But what he was doing was bad too, out in the streets and stuff. So, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, so. I'm just curious, what were some of your dreams that you always wanted to accomplish? Um, I was pretty enough to be a model and I mm-hmm. won some modeling contests and stuff. And my son's, um, my son's father would, uh, He'd be like, you ain't nothing, you still a bitch, this and that. And he would take the bouquet of flowers I wanted, threw them down the hill, and then told me to go fucking get them. And just, uh, I didn't really have too many dreams. Mm. Did you want to grow up and be anything, or besides a model? Um, did I really want to? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Because I feel mm. maybe you, I feel like you probably didn't even have a chance to even dream, because everything was just happened to you yeah. so fast and my mother told me she said go out there and, and find your dream this and that and I told her I said well the modeling agency I said that I have to pay a thousand dollars to John Robert Powell's agency in Boston he said I have to pay a thousand dollars to get in and she was like you know forget that you ain't doing shit you know right. <laughs> so that was pretty much the end of that so do you have any regrets 
I have a lot of regrets. Um, just um, I just um, I just didn't make it. I just didn't become who I wanted to be. Yeah. And I remember my father's friend came up and she was from Miami and she was like, she's so pretty. I could, she said, I live right across the street from a modeling agency. I could put her in there. I could put her in there. And my father whispered to her, oh, no, she's on drugs. You don't want to put her there. And then she whispered and said, well, when she get herself together, call me because she could definitely be in there like that. And I was, you know, disappointed. My father would even say that about me and stuff. Right. Yeah. So, Have you and your father ever talked about certain things? Um, not really. He was always there for me and stuff, but, um, not really. We never really talked about stuff. Mm. Well, I really Mm. do hope that you find the healing that you need, Ma, because you still have a lot of life in you. And you never know, by sharing your story and stuff, you never know where this can take you. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm serious. You gotta believe. I really do believe. Like, that's why I was just so, like, excited to have you on the show, because you've just been through so much, and you're still here. Mm. Yeah, you're right about that. Do you have any advice to those, especially women who have um that don't have a good relationship with their mom? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, what would you tell your mom if you had a chance to be honest with her? I tried to be honest with her and ask her, do you remember you said this to me and that to me? She said, I don't remember none of it. I don't remember nothing. Mm. And I, one time I spoke, I was up all night getting high and this and that. And I said, why is it you get an income from my kids? They don't have stomach clothes. They don't have their hair done. They don't have nothing going on with them. And she was like, well, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've been giving my money to your father. Pimp, and I got mad at her. Like, why are you still giving him money that that's supposed to be to take care of my kids with and stuff? And then like a, a week later, she was like, oh, Pam, I bought some clothes for your kids and stuff. See, I got her this, I got her that, and this and that. And, um, and that was only for my my um daughter by, uh, that, by her father. It was only for her. And I knew that she was just doing that just so I could get off her case. But she didn't get nothing for the rest of the kids. She got stuff for Mimi. Right. my daughter and stuff mm. so I did try to confront her but it's mostly when I was high and stuff but that was like years ago right yeah yeah years ago yeah and I'm, still, I'm pretty sure at this point you just don't want to say nothing to her about it what what is there to say it's all right. over and done with she just you know I don't have nothing to really say to her I love her and I care about her but what do we have to say when we did uh, conversate? It was when we was drinking and listening to music and laughing and, and stuff like that. So now it's been many, many years and I just don't have nothing to say to her, really. Hmm. I don't know why that is, but I just don't have nothing to say to her. And everybody keeps saying, talk to your mother, talk to your mother. But it's easier yeah. said than done than said when people say talk to your mother, because that's what yeah. you tell me to my mother. But I'm, I always tell people it's easier. It's hard to hear, but it's even harder to experience. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, last but not least, what is your advice you would like to leave with our listeners about life? Since you are an elder. <laughs> like a mom to all of us. <laughs> That's, um, keep going on. Keep trying. Keep living. 
and you know eventually you'll get there mm-hmm. yeah you know you'll get there but I appreciate you Ma what do you think about the interview it wasn't, it wasn't that bad was it no it wasn't no it wasn't is there anything that you wanted to touch on that maybe I didn't bring up or uh, I don't know so, um Still shocked by this uh, interview. <laughs> Why are you shocked? I don't know because I never really spoke to anybody about this except for my daughter. See, I always tell her everything and what went on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think your story is very important because I feel like a lot of people go through it, especially with their moms. And I feel like a lot of the things that you touch on, a lot of people within our community don't speak on it. Yeah. And the fact that you're still here speaks volumes. Yeah, I just don't understand why she just, she did to me what her mother did to her. She put her in an all-girl school and then give her kids up for adoption. That's the exact same thing she was going to do to my daughter. Was like, you're not keeping her. As soon as she's born, she's out of here. So I don't understand why she did the same thing to me. Right. I, I don't get that. And then when I confront her about it, it's like, I don't remember nothing. I don't remember none of that. Right. Yeah. Especially when she told you when you were young, if anybody was to do anything to you, to let her know. Yeah, she was always on top of that. Your shorts are too short. Go put on another nightgown and put on some pants and stuff like that. And then when I finally told her, it was like, she, she, I had to tell my social worker that that man is still living in the house with me. You got to get him out. My mother, you have to get him out of we're taking all the kids out. So she took him out. Mm. But the stepdad never did anything to you, to you, right? Who? Your stepfather. No, my stepfather never did anything to me. My sister told me through the grapevine, she said that Michael told my mother that he's been having dreams about me or something like that. And then she confronted me about it. And she was like, oh, is he is he the father of your baby? And I'm like, get out of here. Are you crazy? Uh, right. And then there's going to be some bloodshed if he is. And that just made me like, wow, just... Oof. For her to say something like that, what does that mean? There's going to be some bloodshed. What does that mean? She's going to kill me? Right. One more question, Ma. How were you able to, like, because I know it had to be times where I'm pretty sure you was um, suicidal. Suicidal. I, um, one time my mother took me to my, to her job. She was working in a halfway house. And I went in the bathroom and found some pills and took the whole bottle of pills. And then she sent me to the store to get something to eat. And I was uh, dizzy and and rocking and this and that and went to get some food and stuff. And she didn't even, she never even knew that I did that because I went back mm. to the place and just was sitting there all sickly and stuff. She never even knew I did that. And, and um, just, she, uh, I, I have taken pills uh, before then. I, I took pills of my, uh, my daughter's father and stuff. He wasn't getting along or whatever. And he would, and I was pregnant, and um, I took an overdose of pills then too. And she brought, I came out the room when she came home and said, I took an overdose of pills. And my sister Charlene, she's a strong one. She said, You're stupid. You're stupid. You took some pills. And my mother's like, Come on, we're taking you to the hospital. So she took me to the hospital that time. And so I think it's about three times that I took an overdose of pills. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one time when I came home from, being out all night long and getting high and stuff. 
I was holding a jar of pills in my hand. I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm just fed up. I'm tired of this. Right. And I, and I heard a voice say, you coward. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't, it, I can't explain what type of voice it wasn't. It was like an angel's voice. It was like an angelic voice. I can't explain it, but it said, you coward. And I looked at the pills and I said, I'm not a coward. And I put them down and I end right. up just going, going to sleep that night. So it's been about three, four times that I, I wanted to take an overdose of pills, but I didn't do it. But I never forget that voice that said, you're being a coward. Mm. Yeah, and that was the last time I ever did anything like that. You hear your mom's story. How does it make you feel? It's like, I feel bad for her. Like, the girl that is like, I feel so bad. It's like, you just really didn't have a chance to be a kid. You didn't have a chance to enjoy being a kid. You didn't, and you didn't have any guidance. So, like she, you know, she says she feels bad about things that happened to me, but it's like you had no structure in your life. You didn't know anything about being a mom, so right. I can't even. So I don't hold any grudges towards her. It's like I just feel like you know now she, I'm older. I have a kid. She's clean. She's like the grandkids love her. So I just want to make the rest of our lives, you know, as best as it can be. So if there's anything you want to tell your mom, because I think the people need to hear this, especially from a dynamic beautiful mother and daughter like yourself what would you like to tell your mom so we can help her get on this path of healing so she can forgive herself that you have to forgive yourself because you came from a messed up home so you were not even given a chance to you know enjoy your life so of course you didn't know how to be a mom so you don't have to feel guilty anymore about saying because she tells me sometimes that you know she just shouldn't have been a parent like she's she just says like she that's not what she should have been she failed at being a parent and you didn't know because you didn't have that structure in your life so you don't have to feel guilty because all your kids are here and we're making it and we all still love you regardless of all the mistakes like and we all are going especially me trying to make sure the next generation is going to be better because of the things that you've been through and I feel like you're such a strong person because you are here and you did not take some people definitely would have killed themselves I would have definitely I went through less and I used to be suicidal so I can imagine going through all the stuff she went through I might have made it through so you are a strong person you're here for a reason and I'm going to get her out of her for shell. for a certain amount of years. Like, you have yeah. to give yourself some credit, Ma. Yeah, de- definitely. Like, she has to. So, you know, like, I love you. And we're going to enjoy the rest of our life as best as we can. And I definitely want her to do more with helping other women. Like, just be like, if she can get through this stuff, you can get through whatever you're going through. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you, she the, the stuff she tells me is like, I used to be amazed as a kid. Like, I would love hearing these stories because, like, not even realizing, like, this is real stuff, but it's, like, it sounds so interesting. You're like, tell me more, tell me more. But it's like, damn, she really went through this stuff. And survived. Exactly. And I'm like, I my grandmother raised me, so I did, you know, my life wasn't sweet. But thank goodness my grandmother was not as evil as she was with them. I did, she, I did get... You know, not the best treatment, but I didn't get it as bad as my uncles and aunties and all of them got it. Right. So, yeah. But love you, mother, and you strong, and girl, we you made it. <laughs> you made it. You right. Got testimony. 
yes, you got a story to tell. Well, I really appreciate y'all, and I'm gonna definitely. Well, I already keep in contact with your daughter, but I'm gonna definitely make sure I keep checking on you, mom, and like just sending you love. She really quiet over there. What's she doing? <laughs> oh, one thing we did, I we totally forgot, but she is she's legally blind also, so she made it. She overcame that too. I totally forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that too. Yeah, so she can see, but legally she's blind, so she can't see very like she can't read, she can't like if I'm staring, you know, like she only I could be standing in front of her, but if I'm a couple of feet too far back, she won't even know it's me. So it's yeah, so like I said, I'm I, I'm gonna move closer to be with her to make sure that you know her end of her life, we're gonna be good. And start taking pictures of her. It's never too late for you to be a model, ma. Oh, no, I don't want to look like that. I'm serious. Because obviously you fine. Everything I posted, like the that. daughter, she was telling me how pretty you are. And you said you was pretty, so looks is not an issue. <laughs> no, she said she don't look like that no more. She still, she's not, you know. But, yeah, she done, she ain't what she used to be. But, so she don't, she's not confident. But I'm trying to. Like, I told her, like, she used to do the makeup. She used to, like, I'm trying yeah, to get, get back her. Into it, Ma. I'm trying. I'm trying to get her back into that. I definitely am. So that's like I said. Next year, my plan is to move back uh, down south with her, and to definitely like get her out of her shell, get her back to dolling herself up, even if it's just for herself. Like, yeah, because that's what you need. Sometimes you just need to do it for yourself. I'm telling you, because it makes me feel better. I don't even go somewhere. I'm. I just want to get cute, just because. Right. Exactly. As women, we need to do that sometimes. Well, I appreciate y'all. I'm pretty sure people are going to be reaching out to know more about you. So if y'all have any questions or anything, please make sure to email me at hello at the phdpodcast.com. And until next time, everyone, later. Okay, thank you. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, Real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.